0: Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon and be blessed.
1: If you would turn over to Psalm 139. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. We're going to look at the 139th Psalm this morning. But I want to talk about goals for just a little bit like what when you when we say the word goal what is it that you think of what what is it that actually Comes to your mind. Some of us may have some goals. We may have some financial goals in our life. We may be saving for a new car. We may be saving uh, to make a down payment on a house. We may be saving for um, uh, more clothes. That's what I think both of my daughters think that I'm saving for in their life it's for to buy more and more clothes. Uh, What is it that you think of when you think of the word goals? Uh, In goals, there has to be some type of an expected outcome, and I want to talk to you about goals this morning, not necessarily our goals as a church, but I want us to think about the goals. You have to know your goal. You have to know the end result. Otherwise, we're being exactly the way the Mad Hatter spoke to Alice in Wonderland. When there were many roads that were ahead of Alice and she was perplexed on which direction that you should go that she should go and she inquired of the mad hatter which road was the right road this is what the mad hatter says well my dear if you don't know where you're going then any road will do that's true for every one of us right Some of us may have started life without an end result. We may have never been taught about goals. We may have have never even thought about goals in our life. And we may be just on a road and we wake up and we're like, well, whatever comes at me today, that's what I want to do. Whatever road is before me that looks like the best road, that's the road that I want to take. If you don't know where you're going, then any road is going to do. You have to know your goal. On October 25th of 1964, Jim Marshall was playing for the Minnesota Vikings. And I actually want to show you this clip. In this clip, when Jim Marshall is playing for the Minnesota Vikings, he gets the ball or the opponent gets the ball, drops the ball. Jim scoops the ball up, but if you notice, he's going the wrong way. And Jim here actually scores a safety for the other team. Here he thinks, look, I've scored for my team. I got a touchdown. And he's like, nope, buddy. (laughs) You just scored for my team. You see, what happened with Jim when he scooped up the ball He didn't know which direction his goal was. And he actually scored in the wrong goal for the other team. You see, it's important that we identify the goal of where it is we're going. And this is what I want to do over the next several weeks for us as a church, that God has declared as a refuge of grace. If we don't know the goal of where it is we're going then what happens is we settle for a cheap grace. And I tell you that grace is not cheap because it was paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. When God came in the flesh... He wrapped himself in flesh that we know it and lived in a mortal body so that he could pay the price, not in a cheap way, but in paying everything that he could so that all of us would be able to experience the grace of God. And you know how I believe Satan has attacked in the church today? We don't understand the goal of grace I want to say that again so that you catch that and you can grasp the importance of what it is that we're going to talk about in God's grace. I think one of the greatest ways that Satan has attacked the church today is that we don't understand God's grace. Multiple times, multiple times over the past several weeks, I have encountered people outside of this church, so I'm not talking about any of you. The people that are outside of this church who are telling me about God's grace, but what they're telling me about God's grace is actually found nowhere in the scriptures. You see, we have to understand that which we have received from God in his grace. Because if we don't understand God's grace, then we can miss the goal of God's grace and there is no way that we as a refuge of grace can operate as instruments or priest of God's grace without first understanding God's grace the great theologian lucy in having a conversation says you dogs don't know anything about scripture verses you don't know anything about grace or baptism, or Moses, or anything. And he says, that's right. Theologically, we're off the hook. You know what? I don't want you to be off the hook when it comes to God's grace. I don't want you to miss the great payment that God paid so that you could receive God's grace. There is no way that we should be theologically off the hook when it comes to God's grace. So I just Googled grace. What is God's grace? I ran across these three cartoons God's riches at Christ's expense. Not cartoons, but I ran across these three um, uh, images to show you God's riches. At Christ's expense. This one says grace is God reaching across carnal entrapment. This one says grace is God's redeeming affection covering our error. Sometimes I think, though, what we do when we want to talk about God's grace, we think, well, let's just go to Google. I want to give you a newsflash. Google is not always right. And if we're Googling God's grace, then chances are you are missing the significance of God's grace in your life and in the life of Whitechapel Church as a refuge of grace. I want to talk about a guy this morning by the name of John Wesley. John Wesley had a quest, a lifelong quest, to actually understand God's grace. Wesley said this, God's grace and mercy Is given to us by God because God wants us to have it, not because of anything that we have done to earn it. This is the view through which Wesley studied God's grace. He approached God's grace. It's absolutely nothing that we have done to actually earn God's grace. Wesley understood that grace was God's active presence in our lives. I want you to catch that. If you write things down, I want you to, to jot that down. God's grace is God's active presence in your life, and I want you to grasp the significance of the 139th psalm. This psalm is sometimes used to thrown around at various times, but in the 139th psalm, what we will see is the active presence of God in your life before you actually took your first breath. Psalm 139, verse 13. This is a psalm written about God. For you, that's God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. to be you see God's grace don't miss this God's grace was present from the time that he started knitting you together in your mother's womb you weren't aware of God's grace you didn't know that God's grace was there with you You didn't have these thoughts, but as God was beginning to take pieces of DNA and begin to form you inside of your mother's womb, and he planted what then would become your bones, what would become your muscle, what would become your skin, your hair, as God was doing all of this, weaving you together in your mother's womb, I would dare say to you that that was the first moment that you experienced the grace of God. Because God's grace is simply his active presence in your life. And it is that active presence in our lives that later... When the Holy Spirit draws us, that leads us to receive his grace in a full and new way that allows us to live and walk in relationship with him. You see, God's grace is present in your life long before you know that it is present in your life. And if God's grace was present as he was knitting you together and forming you in your mother's womb, then God's grace has been with you every single step of the way. You see, the choice then for us is are we going to receive that grace that God has given to us? You see, I believe that God's grace has been before us at work in our lives and he is with us, it's present with us and he is there and so the choice then for each of us is are we going to receive the grace of God? But long before you were ever aware of it, long before you ever had knowledge of it, God's grace was present. I remember... The first time that I experienced and was made aware of God's grace. I was seven years old. Our family was always at church. Uh, my grandmother always made sure that we were at church. And by always, I literally mean always at church. Uh, We were there all the time, Sunday morning, Sunday night. We were there before Sunday night to help prepare for Sunday night. We were there usually sometime during the week because there was some meeting that we had to be a part of. Uh, Then on Wednesday night we were there, and usually we were there on Saturday to help prepare for Sunday. We were always at church. But at age seven, something was different about this Sunday night. We were there to help get things ready for Sunday night I was off playing, actually, in the church nursery. I remember what I was playing with in the church nursery. Shouldn't have been in the nursery at age seven, but when there's nothing else to do, you explore various places in the church. I had a little yellow bat that was about this long that was a squeaky toy. And that morning, the pastor's message had really spoken to me. And on the way home, or actually, we were were headed out to eat, I began to ask questions of my grandma. We didn't have to wear seatbelts. I was sitting on the armrest between the first, the two seats in the front of the car. And so I began to engage about God's grace with her in a new way. Because God was speaking to me about his grace. That night, before church, the pastor and his wife, um, Brother Wrinkle and his wife came in and asked me, What was it that I wanted to know about God's grace? We engaged in a conversation, and within a few moments, I had prayed and given Christ my life. But you know what happened in my life before that? God's grace was with me. God's grace was speaking to me. God's grace was drawing me to him. God's grace had gone before me. And was preparing that message so that I would receive it in the way that I understood it at the ripe old age of seven years old. At that moment, I knew that God wanted to have a relationship with me. That God was extending to me an opportunity in the way that he does in every single one of our lives, so that he could be my father, he could be my savior, and I could be his son. I didn't understand all of that at seven years old, but I knew that God was, pers- was pursuing me. Listen, that's the beauty of God's grace. That is what we have to understand about God's grace is that God's grace pursues us. He's there before we know it. He's at work in our lives before we know it. And he is pursuing us, constantly giving us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to walk in relationship with him, his active presence in our lives. You see, God seeks us. He looks for us. His presence is there. He's just waiting for us to acknowledge and receive from Him. That's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were hiding, you see, God was there in the beauty of who He was. His presence was active. It was looking for them. He was crying out to Adam and Eve. He was saying, I want to know where you are at. I want to have relationship with you. And Adam and Eve were hiding. Let me give you some verses here. In John chapter 6, I'll read a few verses here from John 6. No one can come to me, Jesus saying this, unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. In the next 46 and 47, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes who has eternal life. Do you catch what Jesus said at the beginning of this? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Do you see, even though the word grace is not used, do you see the beauty of God's grace here? You see, it's God's grace before we're ready to receive it, before we even know it's there sometimes. It's God's grace drawing us closer and closer to him. And where God's grace is, his presence is. You see, what Jesus is describing is God's active presence in your life who is giving opportunity to walk in relationship or walk in fellowship with him. Listen, this is a big deal for us as a church because this then defines our identity This defines who we are as God's children. Not that we would make ourselves anything, but he then made us his children. His presence, his grace was working in our lives. When we were made aware of it, we're confronted with, am I going to receive this or am I going to walk away from this? This is the beauty of God's grace. And we, in a refuge of grace, have to understand God's grace so that we can tell other people about God's grace. It's important. We have to know the goal. We have to know what God has spoken. That's how big of a deal it is. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see God's grace that Paul is writing about in Romans chapter 5? This grace that has gone before us thousands of years, a couple of thousand years before we were ever even born. You see, God's grace was before us paving the way for us to be able to receive the beauty of God's grace that draws us into relationship with him. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God knew, God knew that you needed his grace. God understood that there was no other way than for him to take on the flesh and pay the debt that we would never be able to pay. Long before we knew about God's grace, He was working in our lives, giving us and paving way for us to receive His amazing grace. John says in 1 John 4.10, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I want to look at this verse in a couple of different ways. At the beginning of this verse, John reminds us, this is love. This is, this is how you define it. Not that we loved God. There's the first part of this. The beauty of God's grace is long before we were aware of it, and long before we ever even knew that we needed it, God still loved us not that we loved him John says but the second part he loved us and then sent his son to offer us a way to receive his grace two parts he loved us not that we loved God and so here's a word of caution here in this we have all used this phrase I think whenever I came to Jesus Whenever I came to Jesus, you know what the focus of that statement is? I. The beginning part of of that is I. I. It's what I did. It's something that was there and I took steps. I came. It's me that actually went into action. But you know the reality of God's grace? He came to us. We didn't go to him. If we were the ones going to him, we would have been stuck under the Old Testament law. But Jesus said, "No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let you through steps. I'm not going to allow you through this process to get to me. Instead, I am going to come to you. You don't have to take steps. You don't <clears throat> excuse me, you don't have to do anything. Instead, All you need to do is be made aware of God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit and then choose to receive it or to reject it. Because that is the amazing thing about God's grace. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and then took action because of that. You see, we can no longer say, it's when I came to Jesus but instead we must say it's Jesus who met me where, he, where I was at and then I received his grace. You see, that's the goal of God's grace. Not that we're working to him, not that we're playing church or doing the right things and we're going through all of these motions, but instead wherever anybody is at, At the moment the Holy Spirit draws them and makes them aware that God is active and present in their life, then they have the opportunity to receive God's grace. We can't make that decision on our own. We can't try to force that in somebody else's life. It's their choice based on the Holy Spirit drawing them. But I still believe that the 139th Psalm is absolutely true. That before we were aware of the grace of God, it was active and present in our lives. I think that we could go around this room this morning, and we would hear testimony after testimony. Of before we were aware, or before we received, God was working in our lives. You see, that's, that's grace. God's active presence in your life. And if God is present, He's active, And so he's at work in our lives. That's the beauty of his grace. And so when David says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was inside the secret, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This is the amazing thing of God's grace. He wants to have a relationship with us so much. That even when we were unformed in our mother's womb, he was the former, he was the one that was at work, paving the way because of his presence to receive his grace later in our lives. This is the amazing God that we serve. Who formed us for relationship, who paved the way for relationship, who then gave us his grace for relationship. You see, God's grace is all about relationship. It's his active presence, him being involved in our lives for the sake of relationship. You see, God's grace is always about relationship. And when we say, I came to God, we're saying, I want or I'm ready for a relationship with God. But instead, we should be saying, He came to me and I received Him. Not focusing on us, but instead focusing on what He has done for us. The beauty of this relationship, of God's grace, is that He has said time and time again through the scriptures and he says to us that he wants to be our God and he wants us to be his people you see he did this with Noah he did this with Abraham with Noah we saw it in a rainbow with Abraham he said I am going to make you I'm going to make your descendants more than there are stars in the sky To Moses, he said, I want you to lead my people so that they can go to the place that I actually have for them. With David, we see this in David being defined as a man after God's own heart. And in our minds, we think, well, these were some amazing people, some some heroes of the faith. And while they are heroes, here's the amazing thing about every single one of them not one of them were perfect. Not one of them were perfect. Not one of them did everything exactly right. And you know what? In a refuge of grace, neither are we. And we have to know that. Because when something's not perfect, we don't get upset, we don't throw up our arms, and we don't give up. Instead, what we look for is where is God's active presence and then let's go there and chase that. Some of us may have come in here this morning and we may have thought, man, could they not have turned the heat down a little bit more last night? Could the coffee not have been a little less strong than the coffee was out there? Why do they get donuts from that donut place? I don't like that donut place. I like, that, I like this other donut place. I'd say, why do we have donuts to begin with? I'd, I'd rather have some granola bars out there. We may have, I don't know if we may have granola bars. Do we have granola bars out there, Karen? Maybe next week we'll have some granola bars out there. I don't know. You may have thought, man, why don't they replace the carpet? There's a few tears out there. You know, things don't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. All we have to do is chase God's presence. And if we're chasing God's presence, this is the beauty that the song says. When we look full into his face, the things of earth grow strangely dim. I want us to be a refuge of grace that's not chasing perfection, but instead is chasing his presence. I want us to be so caught up in figuring out where God is working and joining him in that, that we don't care about anything else. It doesn't matter if the carpet's got a little tear in it. It doesn't matter if the coffee's not the way that we like it. And it doesn't matter if the sermon doesn't speak to me. Maybe it's speaking to somebody else, or it doesn't matter what the worship stuff is all. None of that stuff matters. The only thing that matters is that we are a refuge of grace pursuing the presence of God. And so my challenge to us this morning is to be that people, not focused on perfection. Because here's the thing about perfection. There's always somebody else that's going to do it better than we could ever do it to begin with. There's always somebody else that's more perfect than we are. Now, we want to present God's grace in a respectable way. Our pursuit should be the best that we can be and to strive to constantly be better. And so we're going to do that. But God's grace is sometimes messy. And there will be people who come who have no concept of God's grace. And they do not know that God's presence is already working in their lives. And if we're worried about distractions from the enemy, we will miss the opportunity to overflow God's grace into their lives. And so we have to be a people that's constantly, constantly, Constantly chasing the presence of God. You see, the great thing about God's grace is that He took the first step towards us. Long before we ever even knew that we needed Him, He knew, and He had paved the way in taking the step towards us. So the question for us is are we going to take a step towards His presence? I said earlier, the reason that God has given us his grace is because it's all about relationship with him. It's not about anything else. Out of that, we get to have relationship with each other. We get the beauty of encouraging each other to get closer and closer to him. We get the beauty of growing together. We get the beauty of working together. But it's all because of God's grace and him giving us the opportunity to receive that grace. 1 Peter 3, 9. Peter says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some would understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, But everyone to come to repentance. What what is it that Peter is talking about here? He's talking about the grace of God. And he is saying, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise in your life. Some of us think that he might be. Peter says it's as some would understand slowness. Here is the thing about God's grace when you have thought that he wasn't present, when you have thought that he wasn't there, oh, he was there. He was there. And he was at work. You just have to look for him and find him. He's there. He's at work. We've got to discover that and join him. If he was knitting you together in your mother's womb, then why is it that we would believe the lie of the enemy that after we're born, all of a sudden God's not gone? Or that God is gone and he's not there. Listen, that's not how God works. God is present in his creation That was the intent from the beginning. The enemy took steps to damage that. God took a greater step to destroy the works of the enemy through the blood that he shed on the cross. So that he could be with his creation. He was with you when he was knitting you together in your mother's womb. He was with you when you took your first breath. And he will be with you when you take your last breath. The question is, are you going to be with him? That's God's grace. So this morning, are you going to be with him? Are you going to be with him? Phillips, Craig, and Dean sang this song. It's called Amazed. I want you to just listen to these words. It says, you dance over me while I am unaware. You sing all around me, but I never hear the sound. Lord, I'm amazed by you. You paint the morning sky with miracles in mind. My hope will always stand, for you hold me in your hand. Lord, I'm amazed by you. How wide, how deep, how great is your love for me. Lord, I'm amazed by you. Are you ready to forsake everything else? And be with God. Because if you are, I know that he's ready for you to be with him. He paved the way. He paid the price. Will you come be with him?
0: Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you. And that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word.